We're in an interesting time in our world history in that, you know, never before has there been such a such a, a kind of massive eroding of um, confidence in structures, in leaders, in concepts and ideas. In, uh, I mean, I, my father put it well, there are no gurus. And what I think, um, you know, what he was meaning by that is, is, is that there's, there's nobody for whom you can invest all of your confidence and trust and trust that they're going to be able to have the kind of instruction and direction that you need in all aspects of your life. They just, they're no gurus. You can't find them in the medical field. You can't find them in the spiritual field. You can't find them in, uh, as car mechanics. You can't find them uh, in the grocery store. There are no gurus. So when we're talking about taking refuge, it's very fascinating. What are we taking refuge in? You know, it's really actually quite deep contemplation. What are we taking refuge in? When we look at the word Buddha, it the Buddha, the word Buddha means uh, the awakened one. Okay, so it's not even it's not even looking at the human being that lived twenty five hundred and what fifty four years ago it's looking at that quality of mind that is awake that knows that sees that sees things clearly okay and the quality of mind that is awake and knows and sees things clearly is not even Buddhist you know it's not limited by people who practice in the Buddhist way it's the awakened one the awakened one is not an an ist okay it's awake And so when we're taking refuge in the Buddha, we're not taking refuge in the personality or the culture or the identification or the, or the, or the, um, the stuff that is associated with it. We're taking refuge with the awakened mind. Okay? And when we're taking refuge in the Dhamma, again, you know, there's a whole lineage and legacy and disciples and history and teachings and scriptures and all the rest of that. And I don't mean to throw the whole kit and caboodle out the window and say none of it has any relevance. Because, um, you know, I find that the scriptures do have relevance. The teachings do have relevance. There's some elements of what the disciples have lived through which do have relevance. But it's all, um, you know, the scriptures are comprised of things that were written 500 years after the teacher was no longer living. And there are certainly plenty of examples of, of instances of translations which are dodgy or transmissions which are dodgy or things that look like it was put in after the Buddha was around. And it's like, you know, how do you figure all of that out? You know, what's what? So the by and large is, is that the scriptures are really good, but there's some stuff which, you know, um, is wise to question. So without throwing the whole thing out the window or the baby out with the bathwater, when we're talking about taking refuge in the Dhamma, we're taking refuge in the truth of the way it is. Okay? Not our concepts about the way it is, but the actual reality of the way it is. And then when we're taking refuge in the Sangha, 
again, you know, the traditional understanding of this is to take refuge in the Aryan Sangha. This is the Sangha of those who've actually realized the truth. Okay? And the Aryan Sangha is not limited to monastics. You know, it's the people who've actually woken up and seen things directly. And in our context, we can see, or I can see, that there's a tremendous value in hanging out with other people who have a similar interest in waking up. You know, this is not something that is readily or easily done in isolation. You know, one needs to be around other people who have a similar aspiration. And so we're taking refuge in this collective aspiration to wake up and in the example of those who've actually walked it, done it, realized it. And again, one of the fascinating and incredibly complicated things that we have to navigate is there are timeless truths which are ever-present, which we can get from anybody who's actually realized them. And there are cultural applications which are particularly relevant to the situation that we're in. And so somebody who is completely awakened may be have no suffering, and yet their cultural application to where we're at right now might be somewhat skiddly-wampus, you know. So we're taking refuge in the capacity to know the truth, to wake up out of suffering, as well as the discernment to know how to actually apply it in our particular context. So without wanting to throw any babies out with the bathwater, we're actually wanting to bring in a quality of discernment into this experience of taking refuge so that it energizes where we're at now rather than puts asleep the things that actually need to wake up. And so when we take refuge, these are the things that we're waking up to and then using the precepts as a kind of container for holding clear boundaries of integrity that make sense. So refraining from killing or harming beings. Refraining from stealing or taking things that don't belong or haven't been given. Refraining from sexual misconduct or engaging in the wrong relationship with sensuality in all of the spheres. Refraining from telling lies or speaking in a way which is slanderous or divisive. And refraining from drugs or intoxicants or the stuff that, um, you know, has us move into addictive modes of behavior and thinking um, rather than allows us to be able to be content with what is. So that's what the refuges and the precepts do. Yeah. So um, if there are, is an interest to take refuges and precepts, this is a good time. Are there any more questions about it? Is it clear enough?